and welcome to Pop Tarts. Bim, 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 bim. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture, and we love talking to you about pop culture. And today, joining us on the podcast are two legends of the New York punk scene. Sisters Tish and Snooki Belomo opened their Manic Panic Boutique in 1977 at 33 St. Mark's Place in the East Village, New York City. Credited as the very first punk store in America, Manic Panic sold cool vintage fashions and rock star gear that Tish made herself and wildly colored hair dye and cosmetics that the sisters started manufacturing and have been distributing all over the world for the last 41 incredible years. Because of Manic Panic products, weirdos like Callie and myself and millions of others are able to find our tribe wherever we go. And we're so excited to meet the women who started it all. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. us. We're thrilled to be here. You guys are such a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Have either of you made out with any Ramones? It's got electrolytes. What would you have changed? Everything. (laughs) We walk down the street, and they're covered in blood. But if they do want to look like freaks, they should totally go for it. When you two started your business together, it was during the very birth of punk rock, and you were right in the middle of, like, all the very best parts of it. You were performing at CBGB, you were singing back up for Blondie, and you have your own band, The Sick Fucks, which is still a band, right? That's yes. correct. Yes. The Sick Fucks! One, two, three, four! They lose the from AC! They lose the fuck you fuck me in the We're shameless. That's so fresh. When you started with sporting your brightly colored hair, that listener should know that you guys are, of course, sporting now, looking absolutely legendary. Before Manic Panic was around, how did you get the colors to do what you got to do? Well, before we opened Manic Panic, we we didn't really have those colors to deal with. You know, we, we couldn't find them. So, I mean, I dyed my hair black once and Snooki dyed her hair red once, but we couldn't, we didn't even think those things existed. But then we went over to England with our original partner. We had a partner when we first started. Uh Uh-huh. And um, her name was Gina Franklin. And we went over to England and found these hair colors that have actually been around since the 1950s. Whoa. And um, all these crazy colors have been around since the 1950s. Not at such a wide variety. Maybe there were like 10 colors or something in those days. Like for the quote unquote blue haired old ladies. I guess oh. it was for, I don't know, maybe parties, party stuff, for parties. And, okay. And special shows. It was it wasn't um, very well known or widespread. Uh huh. But we'd, you know, go over there and. We were international smugglers. We'd bring over stuff from New York that they couldn't get over there. And then we'd bring stuff from there over to New York. And we'd, like, stuff our shoes full of hair color and, you know, whatever we found over there and smuggled it back. And how long did it take you to go from international hair dye smugglers to international (laughs) hair dye purveyors? Um, Quite a few years, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we started selling it right away in our store, and we became known for it, as well as cosmetics that we liked, like bits of other people's lines, like party and theatrical lines. Nobody had a full line of beauty products, you know, for people like us, so uh-huh. we would, like, glean from other people's lines. Or the or the private label lines. We dealt with yeah. you know, five different companies and we would cherry pick their best colors and most exciting products and put them all together as one line that was ours basically because Yeah, it was our look. Uh-huh. It was our look style. and, and so nobody we started had it. that pretty <laughs> early on. 
That in was the in store 77. In 77, and then it gradually grew. When we opened, we were selling just everything we liked, everything punk, just whatever we liked, clothing and shoes and cosmetics and hair color and just our style, studded bracelets and I, I have a real like chicken and egg curiosity because you guys were such trendsetters in the East Village at the time when all of the punk aesthetic was being created. Were people copying you? Were oh, you yeah. copy? Were you dressing other people? I I'm we trying were. to figure out if you had this style that was completely your own that com- that everyone around started emulating, or were you emulating other people? Well, I think well if you look at. The old sick fucks pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'll see us with the rosary beads around our necks. Uh-huh. And uh, I think maybe how many years later, Madonna was <laughs> mm-hmm. doing yeah. it. So, um, you know, people, uh, I would say we were definitely our own people, and we dressed the way we wanted to dress, and, you know, I guess everybody smarms off of each other a little bit, but in general, <laughs> it was, you know, people were following what we were wearing, and... Yeah, that's uh, why we opened the store, because people, when we'd go out or we had gigs, would always ask us where they could get whatever we were wearing, so we thought, well, let's open a store as a sideline to our singing career and, and sell our look. So we did, and, um, you know, people started coming and, you know, wanting to look like us. Do you remember what your first, like, crazy color was that you dyed your own hair with? Fuchsia shock. Mine was fuchsia. I loved fuchsia. Mine was one of the reds. Maybe flaming? I think so. It was like an orangey red. Yeah. Must have been so much fun experimenting. It was. It still is. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you quickly about your style now. You guys both look like the most amazing enchanted witches. <laughs> Are you actually witches or do you just dress like impeccable witches? <laughs> I think there's a little bit of power, you know, a little bit of something. When, a little uh, bit of witch in every woman. We had a, um, a, a guy who worked for us for a while from the League of Hard of Hearing or something. He... He was totally deaf, and every time he saw me behind my back, he'd go like this, which <laughs> means witch. What an asshole. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, That's I know I look like one. And uh, we used to study witchcraft. Yeah, we're, we're witchcraft dropouts. dropouts. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I still practice, we but I appreciate to, that you dabble. Do you yeah, do, you, do your uh, circle sky clad? Uh, sometimes when I'm, out, you know, hanging out with like-minded people i always prefer not to wear clothes uh-huh. given the opportunity <laughs> all our friends were always laughing at us about that <laughs> your favorite outfit is the sky yes <laughs> i only put clothes on because it's not acceptable for me to sit here with no clothes on i i just don't <laughs> want to offend everybody so i leave my clothes on <laughs> Callie and I were just chatting on the train on the way over here. Have you guys seen the new Target on 14th Street that has a fake CBGB's awning oh, in front of it? My we God. haven't seen it. We heard I, about and it. And what are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, my God. I, kill me now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, I'm I so mean, sure. How, how could they do that? I guess they're, like, attempting to maybe pay tribute or something in their like corporate way or something i don't know but it doesn't sit right with me right misses the mark (laughs) pretty hard you know that it's not just like the east village iconography in terms of architecture that's being copied everything is including the looks that you guys made famous how does it feel when you there's something so personal like your own personal style that gets copied and copied and copied for so many years we're talking about 40 years now is it always a compliment or is there are there times when you're not so psyched about being copied what is the toll that it takes Hmm. well the toll it takes is when these corporate companies come along and do a knockoff of our line and you know do it bigger and I I wouldn't say better but 
bi- on a bigger money. scale and <laughs> more marketing millions. And um, try you to know. be us. Like, yeah. They, they um, will like hire a face of a person, like a, a woman, and act as if it's a woman, a woman-owned business, and it's not. Ugh, it's that is just like furious. Corporate copycats. Because you guys yeah. are an independent, like women-owned business. This entire time, women right? Women-owned, always, and that that breaks our hearts because. <laughs> You know, people can do whatever they want, but they they shouldn't try to be someone else. Right. And, you know, that's just, there's enough room to figure out something else for yourself. Get some originality. Yeah. Yeah. And now the market is so flooded with, like, our type of hair color. Even the biggest company in the world, which is L'Oreal, has it. Mm -hmm. And then all the tiny little companies have done it as well. So it's like, come on. But everyone... I feel like anyone who knows anything about hair color knows that you guys are the gold standard, that you're the OG Ridge. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do, and I hope they do. But it, uh, you know, if they're at a Target (laughs) and they see the L'Oreal stuff and they're in a hurry, they're going to buy that. So Right. It's Um, heartbreaking. But buying your hair color at Target, is very different from, and I'm just going to launch into like a picture it, Sicily, 1932 <laughs> type anecdote. And I'm sure that this happens to you all the time. Like you must, whenever anybody meets you guys, they must want to tell you about their Manic Panic stories from their lives. But I started buying Manic Panic as a young teenager with my best friend, Johanna. And um, we would go into the East Village to find it and to buy it. And I wasn't allowed to bleach my hair, so I was just putting the blue over my dark brown hair to make it like cooler and gothier. And then when I was 15, <sighs> my parents moved and took us all from New York to Virginia. And I showed up there with my manic panic hair and my combat boots, and everyone called me like a witch lesbian freak. And <laughs> it was like in my, my high school. Did you was... say thank you? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, yeah, but like... <laughs> You know, this is a school where people held hands and prayed to Jesus around the flagpole in the morning um, to to win the (laughs) football game. And, like, the parking lot had pickup trucks with gun racks. And, you know, I was really fucking scared to be going to high school there. To move there at 15 was a trauma. And then, like... Shaking in your combat boots. Shaking in my little (laughs) combat boots. And then, like, this amazing kid named Rufus, like, from my driver's ed class, was, like do you want to go to the punk store in D.C.? And um, it was called Smash. Do you know that store? It's a legendary punk store. And we would take the Metro in from Virginia as far as we could, which was to Roslyn, which was still in Virginia. And then we'd have to walk across the Key Bridge into Washington, D.C. to get to Smash. And that's where all the manic panic was. But it's also where all the cool kids were. It's where all the best music was. It was where all the cool posters and zines and everything was so if a store had manic panic it was you knew that was a safe place if you were like a weirdo freak person and you knew that you were going to meet other people like you and you knew that you were going to find flyers for good shows to go to and like it opened up a whole world like I wouldn't if I was buying my hair dye at Target like kids are now I wouldn't have gotten any of those things. You know, if you're buying it at a Target, it's not going to have that talismanic quality. Whereas, like, if you go, at least this was um, in 1990 when I made that discovery and I was buying it earlier. Like, I knew that I had found my place because I had found where Manic Panic was in this new place where I lived. And I'm just going to reach into my brassiere for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I need to show you guys a picture of my godson. His name is Emlyn, and his mom is my best friend who I first went to get the Manic Panic with in the East Village. She is still my best friend all these years later. And here oh. is my namesake, Emlyn, oh. wearing your hair color. She does beautiful. his hair so beautifully. Wow. Very similar. And here's one of him. He's got your new, like, sort of sherberty color in the back. Oh, wow. The new great. orange creamsicle cream color. Tone. That is so cute. Oh, that's so great. And so we're raising him right. <laughs> I love it. And it's an intergenerational love of your product. That It's a lot more than aesthetics. It's like cultural. A, a cultural, life-changing thing to have access to. Do people tell you things like that all the time? Yes. And, and, and people have told us that it inspired them to become stylists, you know, to become beauticians, because 
they dyed their hair with Manic Panic. That was their first experience, and it was so much fun that they became stylists. It's We get mm-hmm. so many good stories and how people have, you know, gotten it all over the carpet and ruined something. <laughs> or, you know, there's so many My parents' utility stories. sink has never been the same. <laughs> I was just reminded of that when you were talking about the larger corporations that are sold in the big box stores. Like it it sort of robs you of the whole manic panic experience, which isn't just getting the product, but where you get it and how you get it. Are, are you still distributing to those kinds of small niche places or are they all gone? A They're lot of them are gone, gone oh. and it breaks my heart because those were our people <laughs> that, you know, it, it's how we started with a mom and mom store in the East Village, and we were selling to stores like ours. But most of them are gone. I wanted to talk about the store itself because yes, let's. your shop was like the hangout spot before people would go to CBGB. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the daytime hang. And so CBGB you were packed with legends, huh? But you didn't oh, know yeah. there were yet legends yet? <laughs> Yeah, 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 some of them weren't legends at the time, but who was there? Tell us who was hanging out with you at, at the, the East Village the store. Tea. Oh, well, see. everybody came there in all the punk bands. The Dead Boys and the Dictators and Ramones and and the B-52s would come up from Athens, Georgia. Um, Cindy Lauper would come in the 80s. Was her signature hair Manic Panic? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It still is to this oh, day. I love she that. still Yay. uses it. And she's just the coolest. She and, is. And she, she is. Just, like, you know, is so incredibly talented and, and smart and still a Manic Panic diehard. Is it true that Jean-Michel Basquiat tagged your store awning? Yes, he did. He did. We he, were so mad. Oh, we were so angry. <laughs> we took a razor blade and scratched off his name, the same oath. We scratched it off and uh, left the little copyright thing. Yeah, he got a little C. But and we then, left that on the sign because we thought, oh, manic panic copyright. That's <laughs> but then the sign disappeared, you know, throughout yeah. the years. And we don't have it anymore. It would have been quite valuable. It would yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that little C. But you you can see us in a, a documentary. Kissing I'm kissing him outside. Downtown eighty one? Yes. Yeah, downtown eighty one. Yeah. Um he comes by the store and I'm outside and I kiss him and he waves to Snooky, she's in the window doing the window. Aww. So yeah. we at least that's documented. Yeah. <laughs> Please excuse my prurient interest, but have either of you made out with any Ramones? No. no. A lot <laughs> Sorry of to disappoint you. <laughs> there, there were quite a few others, but... Uh, Tell me everything. Who are the others? <laughs> yeah. It, this show isn't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Work. I love it. It oh, was pre-disease man. days, so... Like, you know. Well, you were talking about Downtown 81. There's so much pop culture that has used the early punk scene as fodder, and it's hard for those of us who weren't there at the genesis to know which films really capture what it was like. Um, Are there any films or TV shows that you feel really got the scene right that you saw and you were like, yeah, that's what it was like? Well, Desperately Seeking Susan had some of it because it had the artwork of this wonderful artist and friend of ours, Michael Roman. Uh Uh-huh. And Love Saves the Day was there in full effect. Yeah, and I I mean, a lot of footage in older movies show the East Village, but I don't think, other than real documentaries, anybody's captured the real essence of it, at least as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to name some films that are evocative of that era that we've been discussing. And you can tell me either thumbs up, thumbs down, or haven't seen them. Okay. All right. Mondo, New York. I did see that. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it, too. I liked it. That song, New York, New York, was in it, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. What's that movie about? It's a movie. It's, like, loosely, basically, like, a girl is wandering around the New York City underground in the late 80s. Oh, that sounds fun. And ratty. It's not exactly a documentary, but it's not not a documentary. It's sort of somewhere in between. 
Oh, all right. I'll give, I'm going to give that a whirl. Yeah, because there was a lot of music in it. Yeah, right? and, and she's just going to all these different clubs. Oh, okay. I'm into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains. Haven't, haven't seen, seen it. I guess oh, that's we don't such get a out fun much. movie. That one's really, really fun. That's about girl punks. Oh, oh, I have to see it. Um, Sid and Nancy. We did extra work in it. What'd you oh. do for Sid and Nancy? I don't know. We were, just we were on the, the balcony, balcony at the Chelsea at the Hotel Chelsea. looking out when they were like supposedly bringing out the dead body. Did you so does that mean that you Sid saw it? We did see it. And I don't think we saw ourselves in it. I don't I think know if we, we were on the cutting room floor. Probably. I mean, or we are so far in the distance. But we, we went to the wrong casting because we were supposed to go to a different casting. And then we got cast as extras instead. Oh. It doesn't matter. But, um, <laughs> but, but Gary did, Oldman was amazing. I yeah. Gary Oldman. But we did, yeah. we did um, uh, not really know Sid and Nancy, but we knew them. The real ones. Come in, yeah, the real ones. Yeah. They, they, they would, would come, come in, in the, the store. store. And we actually had the last interview scheduled with them. And we yeah. waited and waited at the Chelsea Hotel for them. We said, oh. As journalists, you were going to yeah. interview yes, them? Yes, we were journalists at the time. <laughs> oh, we're and we're and we, we were doing this. Um, Sex in the Single Forecast yeah, or something? For, for New York Rocker. We were. <laughs> so we interviewed a bunch reporters. of people. Billy Idol. Um, who else? Um, Joey Ramone. We were, oh yeah, and Lester we Bangs brought, helped us. Oh with, yeah, with that, yeah. With we'd the ask them interview. about their sex lives, and so we were <laughs> we were scheduled to interview Sid and Nancy, and they kept canceling on us. <laughs> and then we waited at the. They finally we had a date that they didn't cancel, and we waited and waited at the Chelsea Hotel for like a half an hour, an hour or something, and then we said, "Fuck this, let's go." So we walked down the street. And they're covered in blood, and they're like yeah. high as like you know. <laughs> they were just walking just, down the street covered in yeah, blood. They, yeah, yeah, they, they were coming like, back to the hotel finally and, and said, "Oh, sorry, can we do the interview another time?" No, they didn't even ask us if they could do it another time. But we said, "Oh, you know, if you're if you don't want to do it now, we can we can reschedule." Because they were all like beat up and bloody. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they they said it not feel was like somebody doing an interview. Yeah. you know at the diner. Not be on your best game. What was it at the diner? Somebody like the, the they didn't that, I don't know have enough money or what I don't know what it was, but <laughs> some they, kind of altercation. No, I am punk. shocked that they are flaky. That Just shocked. Punk is flaky. Story checks out. So. <laughs> Believing every second of it. Rock and roll high school. Oh, I like oh, that. Oh yeah, but we that was it. that was uh, that was more L.A. punk. So. Yeah, we weren't that but, familiar with L.A. punk because we didn't live there. But but it was about the Ramones. Yeah, yeah. it was. So, well, yeah, the, because yeah. the Ramones played the Ramones, so the yeah. Ramones are the Ramones. <laughs> and uh, only Ramones do Ramones songs. That's what they told us in the early days. Oh, really? When, when we, we were, were in Blondie. Blondie. <laughs> we wanted to do a Ramones cover. and they, one Joey of them said, said Joey. to uh, Debbie... Only Ramones do Ramones songs. <laughs> he nixed the idea right away. Now. Everybody has Ramones songs. I just saw Blondie perform over the last week. At, in Brooklyn? Yeah, at House of Vans. I was there. You were? Yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good show. She still has the best chops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, she does. does. She does. Yeah, it was really fun, and it was good to see the, the band and everything. I, um, You know, we're still friends with them, so it's backstage and um their bass player lee lee fox was our old bass player mm -hmm. we had him first <laughs> debbie got our sloppy seconds <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but they were really good i really liked it I, and clem burke is just like the best drummer in the world oh he's, he's amazing just, yeah, he was in like a crazy box he was like in well a glass you know box. what everybody and their grandmother should write in and complain about that frickin' box. First of all, you can't hear his drums right. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I complain about it every time. I was so, so confused. I was like, why do they have him in a safety cage? <laughs> <laughs> it's, they think like, he's too loud. And I say, Maybe he's like Animal on the Muppets. He's just too wild. Yeah. <laughs> they have to contain him. to be contained. Yeah. <laughs> but he hates it. He hates the box. They should let him roll free. I, they should let him out of the box. <laughs> yes. Let him out of the box. Free Clem Burke. Buttons. <laughs> yes. Buttons. Yes. Did any of you see the CBGB movie that came out in 2013? Yes. yes. Oh, that <laughs> Tell me your thoughts. It's cricket, great that they did cricket. a movie about it, but 
It wasn't the movie I was expecting. Yeah. What would you have changed? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't see it because I, I heard that it, it was like so horrifically disappointing that I didn't need those images in my eyeballs. <laughs> you know, it, it was. It was. In a way, it was still fun because there were some elements of truth in it and some fun things and um, what's Alan? What's his name? Alan Rickman. Rickman mm-hmm. was really good. I thought he played Hilly a little too monotone. Why would you save for your dreams? Why not live your dreams? Absolutely. Hilly Crystal. How much do I have in my account? Hilly, Hilly was, he was, you know, he was monotone a lot. He talked like, you know, this. But he also had a lot of animation, too. And I thought they left that out. Mm. Hilly being the owner of yeah. CBD. Yeah. Yeah. And the the dog shitting on the floor was accurate. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was definitely accurate. That was Jonathan was the dog. What was the craziest thing you ever saw there? Um, maybe Divine with the Dead Boys or... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, that was pretty cool. I just got feels for that. <laughs> <laughs> what else was... Oh, I know. Cheetah Chrome of the Dead Boys said, watch me order a beer and take a pee under the bar at the same time. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> I thought that's a pretty good trick. But they put it in trick. the movie, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, they did. I think they put it in the movie because we told Well, them. I saw it live. <laughs> I was there, too. I was right next to you. Well, that's another thing. I feel like whatever memories you're going to give, you're going to say, I was right next to you. I think it's absolutely mm-hmm. remarkable and astonishing that you guys have been business owners and sisters and bandmates for your entire lives. Well, I mean, sisters for your entire lives. I mean, <laughs> like, don't you ever get sick of each other? Isn't it like just sit too extra? I mean, I love my sisters, but I would be like, you need to lean back. <laughs> I cannot Well, we don't imagine. live with each other anymore. So yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> we we did for a long time, but we don't How anymore. long did you live with each other? I, I guess I think, the... I don't know. I moved out when I was, I don't know. I moved out late, like maybe when I was 28 or something. Wow. I just and stayed in the Bronx. It's like, yeah, I like and, the Bronx. And, it's cool. And, I'm not and leaving. I just and stayed. And stayed. <laughs> Our mother finally died. And that was yeah. <laughs> so she's got the Bronx apart. Yeah. I'm Is there, there a secret to your sisterly success as um, collaborators? Perfect love and perfect trust. Aww. <laughs> Throwing the witchy back. Yeah. <laughs> See, we learned something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you two feminists? I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, yeah. but I also have to say that uh, I think people in every uh, everything, every time people, you know, get strong about something, they forget the way they were treated, and then they treat somebody else the same. Like, mm. I, I, I'm a total feminist, but I also think, ladies, stop putting men down. They're not, they don't all suck. You know, some of them are nice. They don't, you know, and, like, and men can be and, feminists, too. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. are, but, but I, I just, I think sometimes it just gets too much, like, the way people, like, turn. Mm. And they, they, they need to remember what they're fighting for and remember not to do it to other people. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. just feminists. Everybody does that who's coming up from a place where they were uh, not treated well. Then they start. Well, I think the pendulum has to swing all the way and then it like will settle in the middle and it'll be Yeah, but I think we're evolved enough that it doesn't have to be that way. Well, I think you have to make a big noise first. I agree with that. You have to make a noise, but I just think the reality is that people get too mean to whoever they're like, you know, against or they, they shouldn't even be against, but whoever what what they're trying to change should be done more civilized. Mm-hmm. They don't have to like start putting down the other sex or the other, you know, whatever, you know. It's just I, I just noticed that, that people do end up doing the same thing some that they hated. Do. Some 
Some people, yeah, not yeah. everybody, but some people do the same thing that they're fighting against. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I am definitely yeah. a feminist. I'm so glad <laughs> to hear that. I, I can't help but think about the fact that you two started an empire in 1977 at a time when most women, if they were working, were as support staff for men with their mm -hmm. male-owned businesses. So I was just wondering what kind of sexism you encountered as entrepreneurs, and has it gotten better over the last... 41 years God, or is I it hope. still a shit show <laughs> it's it's definitely oh. better but it still needs improvement uh-huh yeah. oh and my god uh, but it was really hard we'll tell her story about <laughs> the gentleman coming in looking for the owner oh uh. yeah yeah when we had our store and i was there by myself and this like i guess it was a salesman came in and he said um i want to speak to the owner of the store i guess he wanted to sell something and i said well, I'm the owner. And he said, no, no, I, I want to talk to the owner. <laughs> I said, well, I'm the owner. And he said, no, no, I mean the real owner, oh. the man. <laughs> when was this? And I, I guess it was 77. like 77 or 78. Uh -huh. And I said, I'm the real owner. <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> and he wouldn't believe me and stormed out. Well, that's his fucking problem. <laughs> I know. Man. But it, yeah, and and we wouldn't get taken seriously when we like, you know, go to trade shows to you know do buying or whatever, because we were young and we were women and we didn't look straight. We looked anything but normal, mm -hmm. so we were totally not taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, some sometimes people were absolutely rude. You know, men men could be really rude. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's. It's improved a lot over the years, but it's it's still not quite there. Um, in our business, we're nice to everybody. We have mostly women, I guess. And we have a few token men. <laughs> <laughs> You're such sort of like guiding lights of self-expression um, and using your look as a way of sort of telegraphing your soul to the world. I like the way you put that. Thank <laughs> Do you have any advice for maybe young women or not so young women who are struggling with learning how to express themselves, you know, not just like clothing or hair color, but just like expressing themselves in the world? I think everyone should express themselves any way they like. And, you know, people don't have to look like freaks. They can look you know however they want and um but if they do I, want to look like freaks they should totally go for they it they should call us <laughs> uh, they need to call They'll us know immediately who to call. i mean you have no yeah. idea how many little white-haired ladies are going around with you know green and fuchsia hair and stuff I, you know, I it's love like that's because that. of you so i honestly cool. feel that uh, yeah and we're so happy that it is because of us it's so great that we had that effect and that impact and we've gotten fan letters from people saying how you know it really changed their lives when they colored their hair they you know were depressed one woman wrote how depressed she was and suicidal and then she dyed her hair and it made her so happy and the way people reacted to her with her colored hair was different and it just changed her life and, and made it so much better. And how cool is that? And the older woman in Canada who um, dyed her hair purple because she felt invisible. So she said, what the hell? And she dyed her hair purple. She's in her 80s, I think. Yeah, oh my her God. name was Rose, and they called her Purple Rose. <laughs> and it was so sweet because all of a sudden she was alive again, and um, people wanted to take their picture with her and talk to her. And she wrote a poem about Manic Panic. A Manic Panic, Panic poem. That's so sweet. And then when Video she passed did. away, everybody put um, purple hair dye in her service at the synagogue. Aww. That is so cute. I know. It's really sweet. So, you know. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, our mother was an art therapist. And I think color is therapy. And um, it's, it just makes you feel good. And you know, if you can't, if you don't want to dye your hair, I suggest art. You know, people should draw, people should sing. They should do anything, dance, anything that makes them happy. I mm -hmm. think that's, it's all expression. And people forget, they forget how to dance, they forget how to sing. 
You don't have to be a good singer to sing, but you know, or whistle or whatever. Mm -hmm. But people forget. They forget like how to express themselves or just to draw something or be creative with your hands, you know, like make a bowl out of clay, <laughs> you know? But people don't do that enough. They really don't. Everybody's on their phones and, right. you know, I'm guilty. But uh, if I do have spare time, I do like to do something artistic or, or cook. I think that's artistic, too. Yeah, that counts. It all counts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've been at this for 41 years. What are your hopes and dreams for the future of Manic Panic? I think... I think Manic Panic should just take over the world, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, we want to do everything our style, like have a line of housewares and oh, yes. that would be amazing. clothing and just everything take my Manic money. Panic. <laughs> take it now. <laughs> yes, I want, I'm, I'm, I want this so much. I would trick out my apartment with Manic Panic gear immediately. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, I, I just, I think it's such a, a fun company and it's such a fun concept and it's you know like can you imagine like a a little um footstool that looks like a, a jar of our classic color to yes feet on yeah. and, yes <laughs> i love this all sorts of fun things <laughs> yeah you know and, and and we also love the fact that the bigger we get the more money we can donate to charity and we do we give 15 percent Love this. Of yeah. What profits. is your charity of choice? Oh, we have, oh, we so, have so many. many. We, you know, they're usually animals, animals, breast, breast cancer, cancer um, homeless, all children. Sorts of, just there's a ton of them. You know, we, we have to donate a little bit to everybody. Some yeah. we donate bigger to, but uh -huh. we, we really like to spread it around because we have so many causes. And uh, yeah. the bigger we get, the more we could donate. We also like to. We used to have more time to do it. We're so busy now. But we would help with benefits for animals. And Well, it's know. important to note that your products are vegan. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that you help Love it. animals by encouraging people to buy cruelty-free and have, yeah. like, yeah. way before it was a trend. Oh, yeah. It's not just, like, a marketing ploy for us. It's just the way we are and the way we've always been. Thank you so much for being you, for coming on our show, for making the world a, a more beautiful and punk-ass place. <laughs> Thank you. Thank we're you. take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Tish and Snooky, and they're going to ask us, what, what you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. And we're back. Hello. As is our custom, we're going to start with our guests. We are going to ask Tish first. Uh-oh. What <laughs> you watching? And when we say what you watching, we mean movies, books, TVs, music, uh, music videos, the writing on the bathroom wall, anything <laughs> that you have been consuming pop culturally, we would like to know about it because it is cool, because you are liking it. Okay. Well, first of all, I have to say that I work almost 24-7, so <laughs> I don't get much leisure time, so I don't get to watch too much stuff. But let me – why don't you ask Snooki first? <laughs> <laughs> to think of what, Snooki, I, what, you what I've been watching. I'm addicted to drunk history. It's so I funny. I love that show. It is really Especially funny. Especially the, the bits about, like, women for sure that you never knew about like the spies and mm -hmm. and like harriet tubman the harriet tubman oh one is my God. favorite episode oh mine too I haven't seen she that one yet so amazing. That oh you have to see it i love that show she was just amazing not only did she like do the underground railroad thing but she was a spy and and she like masterminded these amazing plans and and like went down the river in a boat with 
and and burning down plantations as she went and she knew where all the land the mines were and knew how to avoid them she was just amazing i love this yes <laughs> so i love that show yeah. i love that show and um what else ancient aliens i'm <laughs> do you believe in ancient aliens or do you just think it's like I believe. <gasps> you believe. I do. I do. Oh, I do too. How could it not be? How, I mean, I mean, they're here yeah. t- today. Why wouldn't they be back then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've always been around aliens among yeah. us. Yeah. Yes, and and they probably kind of helped create us. Is you know, kind of a theory. I always thought if I was an alien, I would live in the ocean. It's like. Did much you see that one about the? mermen or whatever mermaids and mermen that documentary or whatever it was supposed to be it was sort oh. of like an ancient alien thing but it was mm-hmm. about mermaids no i did that sounds and awesome like, i want to watch that yeah that was pretty mm-hmm. cool tish are you watching anything um not really i i watch reruns of stuff that's okay that counts know. okay okay well if if it's like TV shows I'll watch like Frasier or something. Okay. <laughs> I have so many friends that are obsessed with Frasier. I love Frasier. What's up with punks and Frasier? I don't I don't know. My friend Mel just really watched funny. all the Frasiers. Oh and then God. she's like, I don't know what to do with myself now. I've seen everything. I know, I know. And they're I, I don't know. I binge on different shows like Oh, that. we both and love Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock. Oh my love god. That. I love that. That's such a good show. Oh. And if I'm watching I I could watch certain movies. Over and over and over again, like um, Idiocracy. I could watch which that we're every living day. right now. Yeah. I know, which, oh, I, I know it I, has come to pass. The oh, first God. time I saw it, I said, I can't believe this is reality. I mean, this is the truth. It's so frightening. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Uh, yeah, I like, I like Idiocracy. And We're going to have uh, water fountains of Gatorade sooner rather yeah. than later. It's got electrolytes. <laughs> electrolytes. <laughs> Callie, yeah. what is it that you've been watching? I'm watching this show that is so good. It's called Sacred Games. Where it's, are you watching it? It's on Netflix, and it's an Indian series, and it's like a crime show about an Indian mob boss in Mumbai, and these people are trying to destroy all these people in India. There's like going to be some something that destroys everybody, and they have to solve this crime, and it's like a flashback, and it's beautifully shot. It's got a lot of famous Bollywood people in it. Nice. Oh, how I was cool. loving that. And then I saw this documentary that's coming out soon. It's touring around right now. I think you can see screeners. It's called Crime and Punishment. Crime Plus oh, Punishment. Oh, yes. I saw the uh, press release for this. Oh, that is such a good documentary. So it's about these 12 minority police officers who sued the New York City, the New York City police, I think, or maybe just the city in general. For still doing um, quotas, oh, and yeah. so they were not—they're not supposed to do quotas anymore. But they were low-key punishing police officers who weren't arresting people, and so it follows those the cops that are doing that and how they get harassed at work, and we're getting like punished in work for coming out about it. And then this kid who had been arrested for attempted murder, who, which he didn't do, and this private investigator who was trying to get him off who used to be a cop that got tired of quotas. Mm. And also, it, it was nice to know not all cops are bastards. Not a couple. So that was refreshing. And that's what I've been watching. That's some gritty, hard-hitting entertainment you've been engaging in. Coming <laughs> at you. <laughs> oh, I also saw Battle of the Sexes. Oh, was it good? It was. I thought it was going to be campy. It was way better than I thought. Okay. And what's his name? Carol? Steve Carell. Was so good in it. He was Bobby Riggs, right? Yeah. My name's Bobby, and I am an addict. Hey, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. You know, you folks aren't here because you're gamblers. You are here because you are terrible gamblers. Hey, Bobby. These folks don't need to stop doing what they're doing. They just need to get better okay. at it. Who's the I didn't think I would like him in something that wasn't supposed to be a comedy, because just looking at him is funny. But uh-huh. <laughs> he was really good. <laughs> and was Emma Stone convincing as Billie Jean King? She was pretty good. He was stealing spots, but... She was pretty good, and the hair was on point. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been watching, my dear? I'm so glad you asked. Category is best show of the season, and the grand prize goes to Pose. I can't wait to watch that, but I can't figure out where. It's Amazon, is that where it's It's on FX. 
and uh, which is the home of American Horror Story, and it is made by the same people who bring us American Horror Story, Brian Murphy and Brad Falchuk. Pose takes place at the same during the same time period that I was talking to you guys about, um, 1987, 1988, and it, it's a show that dramatizes the gay ballroom culture. Cool. Of eighty seven and eighty eight, and it's like if if anybody's ever seen Paris is Burning, it is a dramatization. It's like a whole series exploring that scene that was in the documentary Paris is Burning, the underground gay drag competition ballroom communite, and it is so riveting, so fascinating, so many feels. You will not watch this series without crying. I, can I love the Vogue it. battle. Wow, um, so much eighties realness. So much of there's really so many breakout performances in it. A woman named MJ Rodriguez plays the main character, Blanca Evangelista, who splits off from the main family of drag queens, the House of Abundance, to start her own House of Evangelista. And then um, this amazing woman, Dominique Jackson, is Electra Abundance, and she's like the queen of the ballroom scene. She's got the most realness. What are you doing here? Is there a tired old bitches on Geritol category tonight? I'm here to walk with my house. Not much of a house with only one bitch in it. More like a studio apartment. Didn't you hear the news? I'm walking with the house of Evangelista to help them win a trophy or 10 but mostly to destroy you. She says things like, I look too good not to be seen. And then she like, <laughs> I feel like that sometimes when I get up. dressed, but don't go any outside. <laughs> I get too lazy to leave the house. I'm telling you there's going to be, this is going to be like the one role that launches a thousand gifs. Like she gets up in people's faces and goes, you are not on my level. Ah! It's, so, <laughs> it's so, so good. But my favorite on the show, actually, who, who just steals every scene that he's in is Billy Porter. You might know him from Broadway he's also a pop singer but this show I'm telling you like Billy Porter is going to start to pop up in everything he plays the MC of all the balls legendary 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 passe a legendary passe exactly I I feel like I should have been an announcer he his uh, (laughs) character's name is pray tell (laughs) that's the best name and he slays and he slays and then when he's done slaying he slays some more I'm telling you that if you have any love in your heart for the 80s ballroom scene or for the all of the pop culture that it engendered RuPaul's Drag Race and all of the things that came after it as a result, if you like Paris is Burning, you have to watch Pose. It just had its... Uh, finale episode so you can go back to the FX app and watch all of it and it has been renewed for season two hallelujah make this moment sweet again as you know um, my luscious research assistant is always combing the interwebs for things that are like the Twilight Zone, but not the Twilight Zone, because I've watched so many, many of the episodes of the Twilight Zone so many times. He has unearthed something that has gone by many names. Oh. So if you're looking for it, you might try a few of these names. I, my luscious research assistant found it under the name Anthony Perkins Chillers, but it was also released as a show just called Chillers and also as Mistress of Suspense. And it is a Twilight Zone type show. Um, So it's like each episode is its own capsule little story of suspense. But all of them are based on the short stories of Patricia Highsmith. You might know her from the talented Mr. Ripley. She's a a world-renowned suspense writer. And um, her short stories were made into this series, and it's got high production values, like PBS quality, but so much more lurid and disturbing. Wow. There's, like, an episode where, like, a family is, like, having tea in the British countryside, and their, their awesome little cat comes in with, like two fingers in its mouth from like a, a human person Ooh. and they're like whose fingers are these and then they endeavor I feel to like figure that's a pretty easy <laughs> mystery to solve you just walk around and look at people's hands not not if that person is, is not a living person 
That's true. There was a really scary one about factory farming chickens that really reminded me of Eraserhead at certain points. Ooh. Like they go real artsy and weird. There's like one where in an era these were made in the eighties or like the very early nineties. So like before you could text or uh like use the internet to stalk people this guy like fell in love with a woman and then couldn't contact her didn't know where to find that her. sounds like heaven to me she ghosted him and he goes insane so it's funny to watch like how people would just like lose their minds because they lost track of people because people were not trackable back then the way they are now like uh what was that when the internet just started but everybody didn't have cell phones yet right casual Pagers. encounter no was it casual encounters where oh where it was like when you had to look at the newspaper and see if it was like I saw you on saw the D you, train yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were wearing <laughs> platforms <laughs> misconnections misconnections yeah, that's what yeah, I was yeah. thinking of and the last thing I just want to mention this is so weird and this also comes compliments of my luscious research assistant like this is not something you watch it's something that you have on in the background when you're up to no good. <laughs> There's this dude called Bootleg Boy, and he has his own channel on YouTube, and he makes these lo-fi hip-hop remixes, and he plays the, and they're, like, sort of distorted and, like, sinister, and he plays them over stills from, like, The Simpsons or BoJack Horseman or something, <laughs> but they're layered and all, with all, you know how, like, when you would watch an old VHS tape, it would be all, like, crackly and skippy yeah. with lines and stuff? It's like that. The best of his channels is called Simpsons Wave. And you'll just, like, see a picture of Bart Simpson, like, sort of brooding on the edge of his bed. And then it'll play, like, this, like, doom hop beat behind him. We were best friends. I mean, I, I knew everything about this girl. I knew her favorite color. I knew her favorite food. Yeah. And then, like, out the window, there will be, like, some, like, scary, like, cosmic void. <laughs> and it'll crazy. play for like six hours. Um, I, it's hard to explain, but trust me, if you're feeling some type of way, just go onto YouTube and look up Bootleg Boy and Simpsons Wave. I feel like I'm going to watch that while I'm getting stoned. Exactly, you will. <laughs> exactly, you will. And so that is what I've been watching. Um, thank you all, you thank all you so, so much for coming. Welcome. This has been such a delight. And such an honor. Legends. Legends in our <laughs> midst. You. I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers, the greatest producer of all. Woo. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> uh, I'd also like to thank our pals, Lally and Alec at 300 Entertainment and our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. You can email us both. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. Callie W at bust.com. You can find out more about Bust's giant 25th anniversary party at yes. bust.com slash party. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. We don't want to be like as underground and niche as Bootleg Boy on YouTube. Like We want to be like just somewhat more famous than that it's not a lot to ask um please help us get the word out we super duper appreciate it until next time Mwah. Mwah.